When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to the Flowtrack Podcast. I'm Kevin Sully, joined by Gordon Mack. Good morning, Gordon. How are you doing? Morning. Good to be back. Missed you guys. You guys canceled me unofficially from the pod for two days without me even knowing. Uh, but it's good to be back in Austin, Texas. It was in Galveston in my home of the McDonald's parking lot for the pod. But now I'm back into my bedroom with the same backdrop with the uh, perfect is the enemy of good. Yeah. Definitely did not have, have perfect you... internet back. Uh, no, no, week, you. So. You de- you definitely didn't. So we had to engage in some Gordon Mac eraser. Have you seen the thing on Twitter about rate my Skype room and people who are on TV send pictures of their setup and then they get rated on a scale of one to ten? Have you seen that? Uh, no, I have not. However, I have okay, seen yours... people's Skypes that are very good. Yeah, and then there's ones that are very bad, and then it's kind of funny because yeah. the person will be like get yourself out of that dungeon one out of 10 or something yours actually i think could be pretty good uh they're big on like wanting plants and stuff in the background but because you have those three frames behind you the only thing that i think actually four now that now i'm seeing it you got one like right behind your shoulder the other thing is just this yeah the switch on the the light switch if you position yourself away from the light switch you got good you got good frames behind you and and it's very centered nice so you see four, right? You see one, two, three, four. Yeah. What are the, if you go like yeah. that, then there's five. Then there's five. Yeah, exactly. And then you get and then you get pre in there, and then you lose it. Now, the balance is a little bit off now. Now, this is not making sense to anybody who's listening to this podcast. But right there, that current shot, like I like the balance of all the frames that you have behind you. Again, uh, the lighting, they judge the lighting pretty seriously, and and they're big on having plants and books and things like that. But I, th- all things considered, it's way better than mine. Mine is just the disaster zone of my dresser behind me. Um, so I, I want to commend you on that because it's not – I'm just saying, yes, your internet was bad last week, and it probably uh, – you're going to probably go to Galveston again next week, and we're going to have the same issue. So I want to make sure I'm not just criticizing you. I'm also giving you compliments where you do a good job. Well, I appreciate it. I did listen to your podcast on Friday on the car ride back from Galveston. You guys talked mm-hmm. about the impossible games. Uh, I was very happy that 
Lincoln, my boy Lincoln, went on the mini rant about the types of people in this world who want to correct someone for saying world record when technically it's the world <laughs> best. Those yes, are the people yes. who are like the well actually people, you know, like yeah. they're the uh for those who watch um oh what's what's his name? From the office. Uh what's the 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 Oscar? That's the right. Oscar of the office, you know? The one who's <laughs> like actually the GDP of that place was actually down <laughs> over ten years, you know. It's like, all right, we don't care. A world record do you get if someone tweets out I got a PR. Does this same person like tweet at them? Be like, did you mean PB? Because there's no yeah, ratification yeah, yeah. of your personal records. Like, yeah. shut up. It's like best <laughs> record. Who cares? It's like it's the fastest time about, in history. Yeah, yeah. It's the fastest yeah. time in history. The only time that I get weird about stuff like that is when people say it's a new world record. That bothers me a little bit, as opposed to setting an old world record, which doesn't make any sense at all. And I guess you could. You could trickle that down to a new a new PB or a new PR. That's the only time I I wade into that level of pedantry. But you're talking about you're talking about an even bigger issue where it's like, yeah, world records only count if they have that World Athletics stamp of approval. But someone can run the distance faster than any other human. It's just like we saw with the the USC four by four, right? The four people like, came together and ran it faster than anybody else. If it's like, nope, doesn't count. Well, like when uh, the beer mile was a big hit a few years ago and the, the guy ran sub five minutes for the first time ever, the internet was being like, it's a new world best. No, they were calling it a world record because it's the fastest <laughs> ever. Like this whole like you have to follow these weird ass world athletics rules, formerly IAAF world rules. It's just like stupid. Mm -hmm. And it's just yeah. – it's a way to act like you're smart in my opinion. It's just like, hey, look at – technically, it's not a record. It's a best mm -hmm. because it's not part of the top 36 events that we call records. Uh, who cares? Shut up. Yeah. Well, that's it's the thing. It, yeah. It only counts as a record within their little world of records. But then you have the Guinness Book of World Records where you can get a record for literally anything. Probably some might say too many things. Fastest mile on a unicycle with while juggling with one hand. And then you go on the other extreme and it's way too restrictive on the other side. You're, you did some data diving though this weekend, I saw. I did. Because there was a very fast 5,000 meter time trial turned in by Kira D'Amato, 35 years old. And... She ran 15.04. She's a marathoner now. Finished uh, 15th at the Olympic marathon trial. Just a lot of people may not know who she is, but can you put into context how fast that is for someone her age? Let alone the yeah, fact so, that she PR'd by over a minute. Yeah, 15.04, and I was thinking, that's actually kind of fast. That might be some type of unique category fast, with her age. So I busted out the, the the deep list of all the people who've ever run fast times. And she became the seventh woman who over the age of 35, 35 and up who ran a sub 1505 5k. So okay. she's, there's only six other women who ever done it in history in the world. Three of those six other women are Americans. So the, the fastest one is Edith Masai who ran 1433 at the age of 39. She ran a bunch of sub-1505s in her late 30s, so 
Mm-hmm. She's the uh, unicorn of the group, the Kenyan athlete. And then you had three Americans. Regina Jacobs ran 14.45 at age 36. Shalane Flanagan ran 14.58 at age 35. Marla Runyon ran 14.59 age 35. And a Russian athlete, Zilvia ran 14.59 at age 35. Then Joanne Pavey, Great Britain, age 36, 15.02. And then now Kira D'Amato, 15.04. USA age 35. She's 35 in seven months. So, yeah, I mean, it is, it is a unique category to be in. I mean, yeah. Age 35 is up there when it comes to running 5k and under, you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. typically age 35 and up isn't out of ordinary for marathoning for 10k in, in a, in a weird way, but 5K where you need some speed, it's not often that – I mean, she was the only seventh woman ever in the world to run that fast at that mm-hmm. age. I got to tell you, though, Gord, I don't know if it counts for official purposes because it was done in a <laughs> – well, even, even, even if it was an official timer, they still wouldn't count mm-hmm. it because it would be like there was no rail. And then they also wouldn't count it because she had a male pacer. It would just be – oh, they probably yeah. wouldn't count it because – her singlet was untucked. It'll just be all stupid reasons. I don't know. Uh, but so many asterisks here. I, so the women's five thousand in the U.S. Race, you know. Well, right, exactly. That's what I was gonna say. The women's five thousand right now in the U.S. is incredibly fast. So a fifteen oh four doesn't get you what it used to, probably. But yeah, I want to see her in a real national class race right now. Yeah, and I was talking to jojo about it and has there i mean i'm sure it's happened but how many women run the olympic marathon trials and the olympic 5k trials in the same season i guess not year Mm -hmm. because the trials are gonna be next year but how many people have done that i don't think it's that often right well because usually i mean from the marathon to do the 10k Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah and i wonder if we'll see huddle and sis and run the 10 and the five at the trials i think if they make it in the 10 and if they keep the same schedule for the women the 10 is first it's the men i think where it's reversed but we could so we could see we could see a large group theoretically this year doing it for a variety of reasons how many times you see someone pr by that much coming down in in distance i know she went to american and then she was, um, she's like works. Is it full time? She works as a realtor. I mean, I, I know she I is a so. realtor. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, I mean, those stories you typically associate with marathon trials, and oh, that's a fun story. That person, you know, can be top twenty or top thirty in the United States, but to do it on, you know, the ten k, like if she could make a U.S. final, that's really rare, right? To be to be that far along in your career. Um, and having this sort of renaissance. Yeah. And like, also like she's unsponsored, right. Or half sponsored. I don't know. She probably might have like free gear from a local running store or whatever, but, uh, there's like professional 5k women out there who can't haven't run that fast, who are like sponsored. Right. It's weird. Yeah. Like, yeah. Now sure. They haven't run that fast, but they also have a lot more speed. So like a lot of times you don't need to, you can be a 1509, 1510 woman but if you have you know 404 1500 speed you're probably yeah. going to be faster than a 1504 you know all out time trialer but 
it's kind of interesting. I don't know. I was very impressed. You don't see that. Also, I never heard the name before. That's also kind of mm-hmm. cool because when you think of the 5K, you think you know who everyone yeah, exactly. that is in that top group because you see them through college, through high school, through post-collegiate, and then all of a sudden this woman who graduated high school in 2002 just comes in and is like, oh, yeah, I can run 15.04. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. she would have uh, – where, where does that rank right now in the U.S. if you include indoors? Well, you obviously have – wait, so from this year, just from 20, yeah. 2020? Frazier is up there. I mean, Shelby never ran one indoors. Schweizer didn't run one indoors. It doesn't count. Courier didn't run one indoors. All right. I'm Correct. I'm... Well, at so the end of last year – only four women in, in the U.S. have run faster. So she would have been ranked fifth. Who are the four? Frazier, 1448. Infeld, 1451. Simpson, 1458. Frerichs, 1502. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Obviously a weird season to, to judge that on. But I consider myself an authority on this age group for personal reasons. And let me just tell you, yeah, I am not doing anything – more successfully now than I was in my twenties. So for her to do that is, is mighty, mighty impressive. Again, very familiar with this age group. So hats off to her. I want to see it. Yeah. Kira, Kira Karlstrom, Karlstrom, uh, is her maiden name and she competed at American university. And she was good too, right? In college. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Then I saw somewhere she was top 10 at cross. Yeah. But it, yeah, but so, still, like, that's no guarantee. Even if she came right out of, even if she did this right out of college, there's no guarantee that she'd run a five thousand that fast. And then you, now you're talking about something that happened fifteen years ago. It's, I mean, that's that's a wow. That's a wow. I'm looking I mean, at her, think, her. Go ahead. If you're her, right, and you're you're 35, going on 36, um. You know that you're in, like, yeah, she's running the marathon, but, like, anyone knows that, like, to make that marathon team, you have to be extremely good, right? So even, I doubt, like, she's thinking, like, hey, 2024 marathon, maybe I have a shot because, I mean, she'll be 39 and going up against even better competition, right? But if you're her, what what's, like, your next thing? Like, you... You get top 20 at the U.S. trials. You probably PR'd in the marathon. Now you run a 15.04. Yeah. Is it like, hey, let's ride this and get a trip to Eugene and go compete? Yeah. What's the – Yeah. Maybe maybe your trials for sure, 10,000, I would guess. You're you're probably thinking, man, I ran the marathon all those years and I could have done a way shorter race and and (laughs) been just as good. I'm looking at her – I, does she? What's her ten thousand PR? Because I'm looking at her college exploits. Most decorated runner in American University history. Four time All American, eleven time Patriot League individual champion. She was All American in cross in 03, 04, 05, and 06 in outdoor track. So three time, three time All American in cross, one time in in track. She had the had the pedigree there. Had the indicate. I just don't a, know what she's done for, she's for ten thousand. 
She's run 33-43 uh, last year at Penn Realis in the 10K. 33-43. I think she can beat that. I think yeah. she can beat that. Yeah. yeah and- that's, what I, that's what I would say. I mean, she's got to do this, obviously, when times are allowed to be factored in again. <laughs> She'll have to do this again. But if you can do a time trial 15.04, I think in a real race – not unrealistic to expect that you could replicate that again. Do you think she can uh, get a sponsorship out of this? This random time trial? Or yeah. Or just do it again? 15, yeah. No, I think, she, I think she'll, she'll have to do it again. Well, so we saw today Music City Distance Carnival is coming back in August. You had an update on Sunset Tour. If those meets go off, it's not like she's going to have to wait. Now, maybe they don't have – they're not going to have 5,000-meter races in the, in those meets, but she can at least get in something where there's an official timekeeper pretty soon. Yeah. The sunset tour announced or is going to announce most likely a August 22nd or August 29th date. And then I think there's going to be mm-hmm. two events, two meets in late August. And then, um, if you see in the lower ticker music, City distance carnival announced what's the specific date they're going to do it on August August 15th. 15th. That's it. So we're going to have some late uh, August, you know, track meets. And I think we're also going to have, you know, international track meets as well. It's basically, we're just shifting the entire calendar, you know, what, four months from May to August. So, yeah. or three months. So it's going to be weird. You're gonna, it's gonna, we're going to have all these domestic meets starting up. And then we have, you know, you have the Diamond League coming. You have the Continental Tour. It's going to be a lot of track all jam-packed in August and September. So it's mm-hmm. going to be weird, but it's exciting. I don't know. I, I'm getting even more confident that we're going to get track. You know? Mm. Are you – what's what's your level of confidence on whether or not we see people running in circles with legal times in multiple events? I still think it's going to happen. I'm less confident now than I was last week. Remember last week you and I were – talking about how good it would be to to get out of this i'm, le- I'm less confident than i was last week but still wait why are you i think less we confident? will see it. oh just the numbers going up up and up and up in in specific numbers states aren't. uh they're not though i saw an article it's it's skewed the article about going up in arizona wasn't real it was they were selectively trying to like they like when you look at it at a grander thing it was actually going down anyway i've been keeping track of it man deaths have been going down for now nine straight weeks it's going down yeah and i I don't want to i don't want to get too far down that rabbit hole but i mean most of the stuff that we're we're seeing is i mean it's it's plateauing it's not dropping dramatically and there are spikes in specific areas throughout the country and i think it's going to be a factor when it comes time for the ncaa because what's going to happen uh, for them, if if there's speci- if there are states in in particular that aren't able to compete, fa- um, or or practice regularly, and then you just throw into the into the mix, about two months from now, schools are going to start coming back, and what's going to happen with that, and how they're going to handle that portion of it. Again, I don't want to go too far into that. You can you guys can listen to other podcasts to to discuss that. But as it stands now, there is a you know there are domestic meets. I'm thinking most – if you're a middle distance or distance pro in the United States, 
you'd probably want to keep it close to home and take advantage of these meets and run these meets because you can still get some some fast running in without going overseas. But it's hard to tell right now, not knowing the financials of every single athlete and and what's offered and what's on the table to run in meets in Monaco or other other spots in Europe. Yeah, I can honestly see a lot of the athletes choosing domestic over international just because of the whole situation and that it would take a large amount of money for them to be pulled towards going to somewhere in Europe for a meet here or there. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think I think uh, the LA meets are going to be big. I think pre will be big if that goes off in October. I'm sure all like the Bowerman people, all the people based in Portland will come on down. To uh, run that meet, uh, it's kind of interesting. You know how you you love schedules, man. You um, for those who don't know, mm-hmm. Kevin loves track and field schedules. He loves track and field schedules so much that he has a bookmark on his laptop on his Chrome browser, like mm-hmm. what twelve months out from a championship of the schedule of a track meet. Mm-hmm. Well, sometimes I don't even bookmark it. I just keep it on there. I just keep it on there. It just lives and you, on that. It's and you look at it like my Gmail. so often. You got to internalize it. You got to know it. That's why. So I'm going to know that Music City is the 15th. I'm going to know that Sunset Tour is the 22nd. And not only that, I'm going to know the order of events. You got to know the order of events, K- Gordon. It's key. I need to go to Kinko's and make a poster for you. You can put it above your bed. And you can just stare at it. Every time you go to sleep, you can tell uh, bedtime stories to your children about <laughs> The time of Music City Distance Carnival goes to Sunset Tour, goes to Prefontaine, and just have it. Why are you anti-schedule? Well, I'm anti-looking at schedules six months out over and over again. I'm anti that. I think that's a little. I think there's other things to care about. I do. uh, Yeah, like the Sixers 2029 draft pick, which is where your head is at, which is good. You never, you never make meaningless charts. We all know that. Uh, I will say this though. Pre the beginning of October, that feels like a year away, and just so I'm, I have no idea what's going to be going on in October. That that just seems so far away. You could tell me, oh yeah, it's going to go off without a hitch, or you could tell me it's not going to happen at all. I, I have no clue what would happen in October. That's 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 so far down the line. Then again, I mean June seemed really far down the line when we were talking about June in March and April, and and here we are. Maybe we'll go on warp speed through the summer, but. Um, yeah, October, like that just, I don't know. I don't know what October looks like at all for any sports, right? The NBA is still going in October. Is that right? And NFL theoretically is starting and college football would be going, or they might do a delayed start. I saw, or they might start early so that way they can get done early. I don't know what sports are going to look like in the fall. That's going to be a hard one to figure out. Well, I know I'm excited for it. We're already halfway through June. It's June fifteenth, man. Who'd have thought? Yeah, we're yeah. Already halfway through June. It's crazy. Uh, but yeah. uh, I, I think I want to know. So, if we see all these events popping up end of August, do you think there's going to be any? I mean, the AAU Junior Olympics are happening early August in Florida, so mm-hmm. there's going to be some trickling of even more and more. I mean, these high school kids are time trialing like hell all over the country. I mean, we just had yeah. another track meet in Arizona where high school kids ran like 148 in the 800. I think it was a 448 high school girls mile. Um, it's hard to hold back the high school kids. High school kids, especially the seniors, are like, COVID or no COVID, I'm going to run my time trial and get something get something out there. 
Uh, well, but now the season's but, uh, over. Yeah. I mean, they're not going to. They're not going to keep. I don't think they're going to keep going much longer because their season is over. Now it's on to the the pro season and then the the fall for for cross country. What's the effect? We talked about NBA being the the leader here. What's the effect if that doesn't ultimately happen? There's more at there's other things factoring into their decision whether or not they're going to play. But I, I, I wonder if that ends up getting scrapped or pushed back, if that has an impact or if by that point, there'll be enough other sports going that it, they won't carry as much weight. Yeah. I think you internally want the NBA to be scrapped so you can hold on to your Spurs playoff uh, no, appearance no, no, no. streak. And that the season, gets I said canceled. that joking. I said that jokingly. <laughs> Uh, I want them to do whatever's in the best interest of the world and the league and okay. the Milwaukee Bucks. Mm-hmm. My my longtime favorite team, the Milwaukee Bucks. <laughs> the Milwaukee Bucks. No, you're gonna become a Sixers fan, man. I thought that was our Ugh. deal. I the Sixers are your East team. I regret not cheering for them against the Raptors. I should have cheered for them against the Raptors to prevent that that situation in my life. And then they would have gone on and lost to the Bucks and it would have been a lot easier and a lot simpler. But I so I do I really regret that. But I'm no I'm not getting sure for the Sixers. I don't I don't know. Like I guess that would get into when football is starting, so there would be another sport. I mean baseball is a complete mess right now, but that's just a that's a totally different <laughs> scenario as well too. It just everybody wants to dip their toe in the water a little bit, but I think they also are waiting for somebody else to be the first one through. Yeah. Well uh, Jojo, my girlfriend, is going to be the first one through because she's holding a personal time trial on Friday night in Austin, Texas. So get That's, ready. I hate to break it to you guys, but there's been other time trials. We just talked about one about ten minutes ago in in Virginia. Well, this is a this is a dual it's a dual meet time trial. By dual meet, I mean two meet two meet time trials happening at the same time. Okay. The first, tell me about half it. Of the time, the first half is going to be a mile time trial. Where oh wait hold on a second hold on a second is she gonna try to beat Timothy Chariot too that's just not fair that's piling on all right they had altitude to deal with wind and rain leave the guy alone he did his best she's gonna try she's gonna try to break her mile college record which is great oh what is uh, it uh I'm not sure if she wants that public because you know basically she's trying to break I I, maybe I'll say she's trying to break five minutes in the mile so that's that's the goal. Break five minutes in the mile, which is pretty good. Age 30? Go yes, play, that's right? fast. Okay, so hold and on. Then, is she running a mile, 1609? You guys going to measure the extra nine? Yeah, we're, or we're does the me- track have a- I'm busting out a tape okay. measure to get that extra nine meters. We ain't playing. Okay. It's going to be it's gonna be official. Okay, this okay. is going to be a this gonna be a personal record, not a personal best for sure. Uh, but <laughs> A new personal best. Um, but then the second half of this meet is a beer mile for another <laughs> – for one of my former – college teammates elizabeth lassiter who actually is a world-class beer miler she's like top 10 in the world she has attended multiple beer mile championships and beer mile world classics but beer mile world classic is putting on together a virtual beer mile and there's prize money so this is the weekend where she can you know submit her time so we're gonna have a real mile to as I'm not sure if the beer miles first or the real miles first. We might do the beer miles second because it might get a little sloppy on the track. You never know the, the spillage. Uh, but yeah, it's a mile slash beer mile invitational in Austin, Texas. Not live, unfortunately. No live. No live stream. I I just I just pulled up the schedule. The miles first and the beer miles second. Oh, okay. I had it okay. on my tabs. Yeah. There you go. Wait. 
is JoJo doubling or she's just running the mile? Oh, no, she's just running a mile. Yeah, no, no okay. doubling. Yeah. Is she going to be paced? Yes, we have a pacer. Oh, we, we haven't found the pacer yet, but we're just assuming the pacer will pace. Because I can't pace. I've been injured. I also couldn't pace if I wasn't injured because I'm just not fast right now. <laughs> yeah, you've been for the lead past there. 10 years. <laughs> I haven't been fast for the past 10 years. Uh, but uh, no, we think we have a pacer to go out through 800. So that's the plan. We're gonna, we're okay. Do we out. have any? Do we have any recent workouts? Any data that we can use to inform our pick on whether or not she's going to do this? Well, we, the most. I mean, the final workout will be tomorrow. But we had a workout in Galveston, which I mentioned on the pod. It was a weird workout though, because mm-hmm. it was on a six hundred meter track that was. Oh yeah, yeah. I heard you uh, guys talk about that. This. Was yeah. like that moved around, but uphill. it was. No, it wasn't uphill. It was still flat. It was just like <laughs> turned a lot. Uh, it was a that was three Timothy Chariot's one- track. <laughs> it was a three by one k, I believe. Mm-hmm. Where okay. you you run, I think she ran three thirty, three thirty, three fifteen. So it's pretty good. Wait, but hold on. Like, I gotta do my I gotta do my conversions here. Oh no, three thirty, three thirty. It was three thirty two, three thirty, three twelve. It was three twelve, not three fifteen. Wait. So wait, wait. Why did she? She went from three thirty down to three twelve. I mean, let's distribute the effort a little more evenly here. What well, that's the idea. It was supposed to be like get no, tired and then go. All, I don't know what it was. Three thirty, three thirty, three twelve. Okay. All right. What five oh five, five ten pace? I don't. Yeah, I'm. T- I I have a hard time with K's converting that to yeah to mile times. Okay. I just rewatched the Cam Cam Levin's documentary because I put it up on the site. Has she considered doing three runs a day to prepare for this? We, we have discussed. We had a big uh, team meeting earlier this morning when we saw that banner at 4 a.m. Because uh, JoJo <laughs> actually wakes up at 4, 4, 4.30 a.m. every morning because her job starts Does she check the banners? So she checks the banners, gets the information, watches all the documentaries before she has her first cup of coffee. It's, it's, a, good, it's a good routine. Meanwhile, I'm just still sleeping, doing my thing, waking up at 8.30 for this pod. Uh, but... No, we're not doing three mile, three runs a day. I've watched that count, so many times. Yeah. I can't stop watching that thing. I start it and I cannot turn it off. It's amazing. Do you have it memorized? People haven't watched it. No, because every time it surprises me because it's just it – just, it just taps into the neurotic nature of distance running so well of him just obsessing over every little – run and how he's feeling i i just i thought it was really good it's like really raw the way it's shot and i think it works really well for for the subject and he also he's just very honest he's very honest there's a thing in the beginning about he's talking about uh he's like yeah in three days or in four he goes in four days last week i had already hit 100 miles and one of those was a one and a half mile day <laughs> and ryan's like what and ryan's like what and he's you've seen this right i'm not telling you anything yeah. new right you yeah well I watched, and then yeah, and then yeah, I don't remember it it was a while ago well so then ryan follows up with the one and a half mile day and he said that's the day i got engaged and i didn't want to go for a run after i proposed so he ran in the he only had like five minutes or something to run so he runs really quickly gets back and then at some point he proposes uh, to his now wife and then just was like, Oh, I'm not, I'm not that neurotic. Like I'm not that, I'm not that crazy. I'm not going to go run after I propose. And then Ryan's like, 
but you did run after the Bowerman Awards, right? <laughs> and he, and he kind of laughed. So I guess after he won the Bowerman that night, and I don't know what time that would be because I don't, I've never been to the Bowerman Award. I'm guessing that's nine, 10 o'clock at night. By the time that thing wraps, apparently he went for a run that night. I mean, there's some workout. people who just are addicted to that runner's high, man, right? I feel like that's what he is. Just... Well, that's the thing, though. When I'm watching it, he never it he never seemed to be – and this is just a small snapshot, but it never it never screamed, I love this. This is so much fun. There was just a, a lot of frustration, the bloody toenails. Like he's just trying to hit these splits and he can't do it. And one day he goes out there, it's too cold, and he can't. It's just – it's it's a struggle, but he's he's so good. It was just interesting to see somebody that good have that relationship with with running, um, and the bloody toenails thing or the bloody feet. His whole feet just get mashed up. I don't. Know, it's just uh, it's just it's just a fascinating watch, and it made me think. You know, maybe more people should be doing three a days. I'm I'm maybe not doing three days, but I am challenged. I've I've run every day in 2020 so far, so. But you're you're uh, injured now, though. But I am injured, so the runs are really, uh, the runs are kind of embarrassing right now. Injured when you're when you're trying to keep a stupid streak like this, but you're injured. Uh, See, I know you're just like him. It's it's worse, but like I look, I just look like an old man, like hop, like limping because I hurt my calf. Yeah, but, yeah. Yeah, I gotta get out there and get those miles or mile in this situation when you're when you're injured. Hey, even Cam Levens, in the midst of his 200-mile weeks, was turning in 1.5-mile days. Yeah, exactly. So you could do it, too. Do. I got to do the Cam Levens 1.5. So I want to bring up one other – I, I went 11. But by 11, I meant 1.5 for Cam Levens. <laughs> yeah. I want to bring up the story about World Athletics. They reported uh, deficits in 2014, 2015, and 2017. Now, they made money in 2016, which should not be – a surprise because that's the year of the Olympic Games. Don't know how this compares too much to to prior years. Don't have the full accounting in front of us. I'm guessing you were not surprised by this, though. Absolutely not. As someone who works in track and field media and understands the economics of track and field, uh, I think a lot of people on the outside don't really understand the cost of track and the revenue that track brings in it's just like people think it's they we just because you see track and field on nbc doesn't mean it is raking in the same amount of money when you see basketball on espn like it just isn't and that like understanding like the way that media company like major media companies like nbc's espn and the likes look at the value of a track and field meet it is mm-hmm. night and day we i mean in our eyes we look at whoa it has christian coleman in it like he is a you know multi-million dollar man and noah lyles and all these great people Allison felix like but it's not like the they look at track as just like a the same way they look at espn now is streaming what uh beanbag throwing I think it's like a thing that I see. I see it on TV right now. Like be, the bags competition or showing pool. Oh, like cornhole. Poker. Cornhole, right? Cornhole. Yeah, cornhole. Uh, but I wasn't surprised. Uh, the the economics of track and field is not 
as lucrative. And there's a lot of reasons for it. I mean, I think it has to do with the way we, the way the sport is designed over the years and how we've, you know, you know, tr- mm-hmm. track has become boring to the non-track fan because of the, the way they do it. You know, like track me is eight hours mm-hmm. long and this, that, and the other thing. And the, the athletes don't race each other all the time. And a lot of times we only care about world records and not just great performances. There's multiple variety of reasons. I mean, the ultimate biggest reason, which I will always hold on to this, is that we design a track and we design a sport where only five days of the year of the 365 days of the year, where only five to 10 of those days matter. How Mm -hmm. are you going to make money on a sport where literally like what? 2% of the year matters. And by that 2% of the year, I mean the week of worlds because you see professional athletes lose at diamond league events and they do not care. They're like, oh, whatever, just getting ready for Worlds. Oh, this is a good rust buster for Worlds. Oh, Worlds happened last week, so I'm kind of just seeing what I have left. Oh, I'm, you know, I'm in a hard session right now. Oh, you know, like, yeah, oh, well, this doesn't matter. It's all about Worlds. You yeah. know, at least Americans have two weeks because we can at least identify USA trials as the same level of level as importance as Worlds. But you're never going to have a successful sport where – Literally, 11 of the months don't matter. So how are you going to market a reason for someone to watch track and field in 11 of those months if they're only going to watch it in the if, – if, if the athletes only care about the one week of August? Like, it's just not going to happen. So I always said that they need to go the golf and tennis model, which is four majors, so yeah, yeah. you're more relevant on a seasonal basis and not just a one-time. I mean, we're so stupid. We – not only is it one week a year – we also take an entire year where we do none of it. So it's it's one it's three weeks every four years. Like it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Why are we only mm-hmm. why do we create a sport where only three weeks out of a four year period it matters? Like ba- mm-hmm. pl- basketball, you could say basketball has a problem with the regular season, where at least their playoffs are like three months long, right? <laughs> playoffs never end. Like, playoffs never end. Yeah. That's something I- at least, you know. I thought this Michael Johnson tweet was interesting responding to this story. He says, I don't understand why they, meaning World Athletics, wouldn't want to be more transparent with athletes about its finances. If athletes know the sad predicament of the finances, they might be more sympathetic to some of the decisions made or at least have more context. I thought that was an interesting point. Like, People are always questioning what World Athletics does, and rightfully so, especially if you're an athlete. But in order to get the full context of it you need to know the dollars behind it right and if you're losing money all over the place and then athletes are saying well why are we cutting meats but you don't tell them that you're losing money then you could have at least some understanding about why they're doing it and and the hard choices on board i thought of a interesting crazy idea and let me know what you think of this because you know this is always for as long as tracks existed people have thrown all these ideas around about how to save track and and none of them are the silver bullet because there really is no silver bullet um but i was listening to your conversation with carl lewis last week and he said there's too many pro athletes Just cut down on the amount of athletes in track and field so i was thinking this would just be an interesting experiment to do just to see what would happen and you wouldn't even need to actually put it into play. All you'd need is cooperation from the meat organizers to share finances, to figure out you know, how this would work. 
and that's this. Take the budget of all the Diamond League. Okay, so that's any money that is used for appearance fees, sponsorship, all that stuff, right? From the local all the way up to whatever money, if any, World Athletics chips in, right? So you get this this number. And then from there, you divide that out equally based on the number of athletes that you want to have in your circuit. So whatever, say it's 10, 15 meets or whatever. And then come at a number and say, okay, this is what you would get flat fee to participate. And you have to participate in every single meet. And then you will get this amount of money. I don't know what that number would be because we always hear famously Usain Bolt gets a half a million dollar appearance fee, right? At, at this meet or that meet. And that would all go into that pot. Or what you could do is you could do this. You could get that same pot of money, right? And then you could have slots. And you could say, we're going to number this one. How many athletes do you think are at a Diamond League circuit? If you put eight per event, what would that be? Uh, I mean, there's what? 20 of it? I don't know how many events there are. What, 30? Yeah. Let's just there's say there's... Let's just... Let's just say there's five. Well, I know, but there's some that aren't in the Diamond League, right? That like the ten thousands not in the Diamond League. You keep it out. I mean, okay. you can put steeple back in. It's hard to come up with the exact number, but say there's five hundred athletes. Say there's five hundred athletes competing in the Diamond League, right? And you slot them. Okay, sure. Five hundred. Go ahead. Sure. Let's do it. Five hundred. That, that's not a though, that's not a crazy number. Diamond League. I, just, Gordon's doing math do the math. I just want I just want to get the exact number because uh, do the exact number the, number do the exact of, number yeah because then I'll then I'll lay out the other scenario that I have here but for but as I was saying this is this is predicated on all that money being pooled so everybody's budget and I'm not talking about just the prize money or the bonus money I'm talking about the appearance fees all of it, everything so, on down to get one number. So there's 24 disciplines. So how many athletes per discipline? So wait, 24 men, 24, no, 24 total, right? Does that include men and women? I think it's, uh, I think it's men and women. So it may be 48 total. I, right? No. No, no, no. That's... No, 24 is men. And so it's only 12. Yeah. It's only 12 men and 12 women. Right. That makes more sense. Okay. But. Right? Yeah, but it's pared down right now. It's pared down right now. Well, because they took the 200 out, right? The 200 is not in there. The steeple's not in there. The 5,000's not in there. The 10,000's not in there. The triple jump's not in there. The multis aren't in there. The hammer throw's not in there. Okay, so even with that number, right? So take take that, multiply it by, let's just say 10 people per event because you have two alternates. And then okay, so 250 get, people. Okay, say 250 so, people. Okay, so you get your... You get your number, your dollar sign. Are you still with me here? I mean, this is my TED talk. Well, can can, can, right. can I can I stop you really quick? Sure. Pe there are probably forty people in an event that think they are in the top ten. Well, listen to what I'm saying here. Listen to what I'm saying. Okay. You got it. So, you 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 take that number, that dollar sign, right? And then you have two hundred and fifty athletes, and there's there's some equity here because it's distributed evenly uh, across those events. So it's 10 per event. And then you have a number one salary and you have a number two salary and a number three salary and a number all the way down to 250. And it is adjusted yeah. and decided based on 
your credentials, right? Sure. So yeah. for Usain Bolt would constantly, if he was there, because two-time world record holder, a, he would constantly be in the number one spot. So he would command number one salary. Now what that would be, I don't know. I don't know. And then, and then you go down from there. Like which would they prefer? Which would people prefer? I, option A, where it's flat across the board, or option B, where it's, it's a meritocracy. If, you, know, you could move up theoretically, but it's also based on how good you are and what your credentials are year by year. And you'd have to, and you'd have to move up. And then you'd have to compete. You'd have to compete if you wanted to be in that, in that slot. Would it be even enough money to get people to compete? That's the other question. In most the cases, it's usually not. The problem is there is no incentive to be a Diamond League champion to be to run any Diamond League meet. Usain Bolt right. did not care about the Diamond League. He cared about winning Olympic titles and world titles. Right, right. The right. Diamond League is not going to have any value no matter how much prize money you throw in it, no how many no matter what you change the format, it's Diamond League is going to have no value until the Diamond League is considered an equal to a world championship. And the only well, way to make not, Diamond that, League equal there is some limit, right? If they had a if they had 10 million dollars, if the winner of the pre-classic got 10 million dollars in every event, it would become the biggest meet of the year. True. Okay. So there is a yeah. there is a number. You just need a number. But that number, they don't. That's a you, uh, World Athletics doesn't have enough money to get make that number. Right, right, yeah. right. Well, and I also think a lot. They of don't. These, yeah. Well, what I'm saying is they don't for Bolt, right? They don't for Bolt because there's these mega superstars who essentially price them. They're priced out of the market because there's no amount of money that they can make that makes it more valuable than just their day to day his day to day salary from Puma, right? Because if he's even yeah. a little bit injured. He's not going to risk it. Like you need to raise the amount of money high enough to where a good majority of the big players, maybe not the bolts, that maybe they'll always be immune from this sort of thing, and, and and be able to to skip it. But like they need to be able to say, ah, crap, I can't scratch. I signed this contract for one hundred twenty five thousand dollars, and I need to be at every single meet. I mean, what they do is they show up and they and they and they scratch by pretending to pull up because that's what a lot of Nike athletes do when they're forced to show up at Prefontaine and they don't want to run. They just like fake yeah. on it. I mean, the yeah. whole problem is the sport needs to be restructured from top to bot, like from down up and top to bottom. I know what you're trying to say is like, hey, would they rather just all get equal contracts? No, they wouldn't want that because if you're there's no incentive then to be good if you're just getting paid the same amount as the people you're you're stomping on, and then. Even yeah. your second idea where like it's tiered, yes, on paper that makes sense that the oh, I get the most money in this system, but the problem is they're gonna they're just gonna be like this system doesn't have enough money to give me. Like if mm -hmm, the mm -hmm, top yeah. tier athlete salary is less than your salary that you get from your sponsorship, right. it's like not worth it. So Yeah. yeah. And the reason why oh, I'm not, the Diamond League does not have yeah. enough money is because it they're just we, I'm, problem is like a lot of the top tier athletes. If you are the best in your sport, you kind of, in a weird way, kind of tell yourself like you're at the same level as the best in other sports. And then you see the best baseball players or soccer players, football players. You know, like the best. Yeah. 
track player makes the same amount as the worst baseball player. That's basically just how track it is. player. What's a what's a track player? You're gonna lose your track track, track card percent. <laughs> I look. Let me be clear. I'm not saying I'm not saying this. I'm not saying this is a solution. I would just say it would be an interesting exercise to do, right? If you act because you want to know actually, okay, how much money is there in track? Because you hear about the losses from the Diamond League, right? Or not the Diamond League from World Athletics, but we don't know. We don't know okay, how much did Pre Classic make? How much did the Stockholm meet make? How much did Monaco make? Like we don't know any of that. So I'm saying if you just put it into a huge pot, it would be just interesting to see how much of that could go to athletes, right? Like, like it, it, it would just be yeah. Because what if what if and I'm I'm not saying this like what if you do the numbers and it's like okay everybody gets twenty thousand dollars, <laughs> you have to compete in ten meets and everybody would get twenty thousand dollars. Everybody be like, okay, that's not worth it. But what if what if you ran the numbers and you're like, okay, well, in this system, if you're in the top 20, you're going to make a quarter million dollars or more. Again, I don't know. These are all just hypothetical numbers. I would just be yeah, interested to see definitely not going to be a quarter million dollars. I mean, I'm just interested I think to you kind of want to create a – you want to create a salary cap situation where basically every basketball team gets to spend up to, what, $130 million on their team. So you know if you're one of 15 players on that team, you know you're going to get a slice of one – at least – minimum one fifteenth slice of $130 million on if you make the NBA, right? Because you'll be in that that pie. Yeah. I think the pie for um, – the pie is – I think it's going to be – I would argue that – what's 250 times 10,000? I should be able to do quick math in my head. Like it's – Stand by for Gordon's math. Two point five million. Right? Is that two point five million? Two point five million. Is that what? Uh, yeah, I, I mean you... they have, they're giving out at least. I mean that that's at least appearance money for a couple meets, right? Like, I'm guessing that I that's. Know, I that's would argue not, that's that not... if I would argue that if you had two hundred and fifty athletes competing in a diamond league, they would all make the average. They would all it would all be under twenty five thousand dollars per person. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. think I don't think there's a lot of money. I don't think there's a lot of money in the well, sport. And I think maybe 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 right. Maybe it would be. And then maybe you're like, okay, well, then the bottom, the bottom seventy five or something, they're not going to get. They're they're not going to get. They're going to get even less. And then they have to earn it in terms of prize money. Figuring something out. With that, I don't, it's just I'm I'm just interested in it because when Carl said limiting the amount of people, you're just you're trying to make that top group be sustainable, right? That's the idea of like, yeah. okay, here here is this group, and once you've made it into this tier, you are going to be making at least X amount of money, which means you're obligated to do these amount of competitions, which is going to raise the entire level of the sport. I'm just reminded, like, what's the G League salary? in the NBA because back in the day, I remember when the, when the G league or back when they used to call the D league first started, they were making like $40,000 and then the league minimum was 250 or something like that. So it was just a huge jump, a huge gulf between the haves and the have nots track has this very blurry line that goes on where there's obviously a few people who are making a good amount of money, but then there's all sorts of people in the middle who if you race a lot, maybe you're making more than someone who's better, but just not showing up and vice versa. There's just a, 
there's a a very blurry middle. Yeah, I mean, and I think that what you're saying is we need if you want it to work, you do need to have a cutoff because why are we trying to sub 1900 people make the Olympics? 1900, that's like the the number that they hit. Mm-hmm. It's almost 2000, and those are people who make the Olympics. Nothing on the people who who compete in track who don't make the Olympics. Like all those fourth place finishers yeah. at USA's, hell, all the twelfth place finishers at USA's, and the fifth place finishers at Jamaica, and all that. There's a lot of people who compete in track professionally who don't make top three in their country, right? So that mm-hmm. number, that 1900 number, you could argue. I mean, those Kenny Harrison didn't go to the Olympics, and she wasn't part of that mm-hmm. 1900. The world record holder wasn't part of that 1900. So the amount of the people who consider themselves part of that group is even greater than 1900, right? The number of people yeah. who are in the NBA, 450. Like, yeah. that's what you need to do. You need to find a way to make the number of people who are part of the pro circuit, you know, under 500. And that if you want to be in that 500, you have to be faster than someone else. And someone in that 500 gets knocked out because you're not mm-hmm. able to stay in that 500 tier. And I think that, yeah. I mean, if we create a system where like, oh, this would be kind of cool. The Diamond League system where you have like knockout races. So like, hey, like mm-hmm. if you have multiple bad races and someone has multiple good races, they get to kind of bump you out. And then they are now part of that that elite group for the yeah. next season. And you get knocked out. Yeah, like, yeah. Hey, you didn't have a good year. So you're now, now part, not part of it. You know, yeah, yeah. you got to go there's a whole like year a, of not it, being part of it. Yeah. Well, there's like a group, right? And you get, and then once the group is decided, the group is set at least for a year, and maybe there's opportunities. You're right to bump someone in or uh, off throughout it. But then, like once that group is set, there's that group, and then that group is then obligated to actually compete. The other thing is the collaboration, right? Because right now you have the meets are doing one thing, the national governing bodies doing another thing, international governing bodies doing another thing, the Diamond League's doing another thing. The whole idea is just like we're talking about. NBA, NFL, PGA, there's this really strong central governing body there, right? Everybody's everybody's part of something here. It's just in, in track, you're part of everything. I looked it up. I was outdated just to show you how old I was about the G League. So now they're saying G League, 125K for five months. But the league minimum now is 898,000. So still, that's a that's a huge difference between g league and the nba now you can go to europe and make money too so it's it's not exactly an apples to apples comparison but i think what carl was was getting at was just like making that line a little thicker between those two groups of people within the track world yeah and it's hard to do this because like we said 400 if the number is 450 we have way too many events so you know mm-hmm. like there's a that number gets divided up even more when you then divide it in. You have to divide it in two because you have men and women. And then you get divided in 18 again because you have all the different events. So, like. Mm-hmm. Do you know, think there'll ever be an crazy. alliance of like the. Uh, like all the sprinters get together with like the milers and they're like, hey, we're the big ticket people. We should separate from the rest of this and form our own our own federation because we're what people want to see. They don't want to see all these other events, they want to see us. The only way, the only way it will change. The World Athletics is the only people to have like no one can create a new league. Like they tried like the Track Town series, that's not going to work. 
what the only way it will work is if World Athletics literally dismantles the way they crown world champions and mm-hmm. says like they can you have say to like, run the regular season. You have to run the regular season, basically. You have to yeah. earn your way into the world championships throughout the season. You can't just show up runs once, run a time, and get in. Yeah. You have to be yeah. participating in the season. Yeah. It's like, hey, yeah. yeah, we, yeah. If you want, if you want to, if you want to win a world title, you got to be in the league, and mm-hmm. everyone, everyone is already in the league, like by just being a, a human being. Like you're a member of yep. World Athletics by just being a human being and not testing positive. That's the only requirement, right? Is that the only yeah, requirement to be a World Athletics eligible? That's your you first to be a human good being point over age today. sixteen well, you, and not doping, yeah. and hit a time. Three yeah. things. Yeah. There's no. Yeah. You don't, in in order to in order to to win. I mean, an that's the cool title, part about. Yeah, you have and that's to kind of the cool part about running. Though you could literally just be a. You could literally like, say say you live in a country, uh, that doesn't have much competition in the I don't know the 1500. You could beg your way in, and you're just a person, right? And you've been training by yourself. You could beg the Mount Sac meat director or whoever, or the meat director in some small meat to get you in, you run the time and you go to the Olympics, right? That's, that's literally all you need to do. Yeah. That's but it. like, that's, is that good? I don't think that's good. Right. I don't it's, it's no, I mean, it's cool in terms of like person, personal interest stories. And it's cool in terms of, man, that makes a really clear path, but it, it isn't cool in terms of, a sustainable professional sports operation. Yeah. That, 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 and, think and that athletics... sort of thing happens. Well, because it's built on the national model. We, we both know this. Yeah. The whole idea is about countries participating, which I think you could still do, but, and you, you could definitely do it at the Olympics, but the world championships should be meant around, built around this. And I think the, the mark is always on how do we get new fans which is tough. It's like, we're never going to be able to compete with football or basketball, baseball. I think the goal should be around just engaging the fans that are on the fence or will tune into the Olympics and world championships. And how do you keep them hooked all year round? Because that it's not going to be, you know, you're not going to be doing premier league numbers with that, but you could see an increase in, in interest just with people who um, are already predisposed to becoming fans or being fans year round. Well, I mean, here's a problem. The, like I said, World Athletics is the only one that can actually solve the problem, but it's yeah. kind of not good to ask a governing body that loses money three out of four years to solve a problem. It's not really mm-hmm. the people we should be. So the people who can solve the problem aren't really equipped to solve the problem because when they solve the yeah. problem, they come up with great ideas like having three decathletes do three events in their backyard and thinking that is like innovation and like, Ooh, they put fireworks up for the intro athlete intros. Clearly it's innovation. Yeah. Ooh, they, they included the Twitter handle of the athlete in the meat booklet. Whoa. You know? Okay, yeah. cool. Well, all that really stuff, cool. all that that's 10 years old. All that stuff is, yeah, that's t-shirt cannons coming to a meet near you. I, I, I understand that. I, but the other side of it is the wholesale big changes that you're going to anger some constituency. And what's true about track from the youth level all the way through pros is you have to keep a lot of people happy because there are so many people involved. And there's a lot of people involved for free. 
right? There's a lot of volunteers that you have to make happy. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. I mean, Carl, I remember talking about him. I talked about this with him a lot of times during the film in the Houston shoot. He says a big reason why World Athletics can't make a change is because there's countries who who basically live off of the World Athletics funding. And if Mm -hmm. World Athletics started making it harder to enter and like all this stuff, the, all these smaller countries will be like no, and then they get they they get a majority. Like he's basically saying that USA should have a larger should have a more of a impactful or more say at the table than right now. Yeah. USA has the same amount of voice as Djibouti, even though USA mm-hmm. is the ones who are creating an NCA system to develop all these athletes and it's create like putting put a lot more money in the sport. Without mm-hmm. World Athletics, you know, you know, spending more money than World Athletics as asking them to do, but they get the same amount of voice as Djibouti, which just says, "Hey, can you send our twelve people to to Worlds?" So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it's all again because they're trying to just they see it as more of an extension of the Olympic movement as opposed, like they are closer positioned to the Olympics than they are to a golf or tennis or team sport league i think that's where they see themselves aligning closer with and it's so crazy it's hard to, how hard we, to make money that way why do we idolize the olympics is like effed up man like it's not like a good Whoa. system Controvert- controversial awful. opinion it is here. awful to the athletes like it's it it basically ex- uses it exposes and what's the word uh exploits really bad exploit yeah exploits exploits athletes based on their love of country like it's like hey do all this stuff for free for us because you love your country and if you don't Mm -hmm. do it you just don't love your country enough right and people have always been protesting against the crazy rules that the olympics have and the amount of money that they make this that and the other thing and it's all because they have a monopoly and the monopoly is patriotism of your country Mm -hmm. right it's just like that's their monopoly. So like, hey, well, you can't go represent your country anywhere else. So you got to come here. So you can follow our weird ass rules. And I think mm-hmm. that's what World Athletics is doing. Hey, you can't go anywhere else. You know. So yeah, I don't know. If we want, right. if we want niche sport athletes to make the same amount of money as the NBA and NFL, they need to stop this country stuff, man. It just that is what's holding it back. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's great, but. And I, I do love the Olympics and I love cheering for American athletes and seeing smaller countries have like big breakthroughs and seeing them, their pride of their country. As a fan, yeah, I yeah. love it. Don't get me wrong. I don't hate the Olympics, but that business model is what is screwing over athletes. So. We'll yeah. leave it there. A lot to think about. Wide ranging show. I hope everybody enjoyed it. Flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Apple Podcasts. Stitcher, Spotify, and flowtrack.org slash flowtrackpodcast. Thank you to Gordon. Thanks to Alon for producing. We will talk to you guys tomorrow.